0: This is the Shift Podcast.
1: Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Ontario and Quebec are dropping vaccine requirements for healthcare workers. Dr. Lenora Saxner, infectious disease expert at U of A, helps us understand how this impacts our fight against the virus in general. For the rest of us, communications and all that. I don't know if you heard that this weekend is Ryan's birthday. And we meet his mom and dad on the shift. They join us and talk about their sexy time that created a baby. And it makes Ryan feel great. Happy birthday, Ryan. Plus, Steve Stemming. What the hell should we watch this weekend? The Marvel's next movie. Eternals is here. Is it any good? Tom Hanks is alone again. He's lost, but he's not on an island. It's an apocalypse. Steve reviews that and so much more on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast.
2: Anyway, uh, next story here. Okay.
1: Uh, no, that's. Have about you enough. ever? Huh? Mute. He's off. He's off. Okay, great. So the power of the the guy who has his name on the show is you get to mute the other guy whenever you darn well please. Oh yeah. Now don't take that the wrong way, but Brendan Kelly and I we've planned out a thing here, and Ryan um, <laughs> Ryan was t- planning on continuing with. It in case you missed it, so we're just going to turn him off for a second. Um, I can't tell you how much I love this guy. First of all, Ryan O'Donnell. Uh, he's fantastic. And um, and we wanted to take a moment to celebrate Ryan's birthday. And since we're just about to officially, for the first time, cross over into tomorrow, which is our weekend, Ryan's birthday is on Saturday, um, we thought we would get started, because I don't know if you heard, Brennan, but um, Ryan's birthday's this weekend.
3: Oh, no. Oh, okay.
1: That's
3: yeah. good. I didn't know. Yeah.
1: I wonder if there's going to be a party. Probably not. Yeah. It must um, not be. Well, I didn't get an invite. Anyway, yeah. um, how about... We have a special guest here, and we introduce Ryan's mom. Hello, Mom. Hello, everybody. Low Shift Heads. You know what's funny is that I said to Ryan, I said, hey, uh, which is weird. Hey, can I get your mom's phone number? Um <laughs> But I I did, and uh, he's like, "Yeah, here it is." And I was like, "This is forever ago." And he's like, "I was like, and your mom's name is?" And he basically said, "It was like my mom phone number, <laughs> right?" I'm like, "You know, your mom has a name, right?" Like,
0: <laughs> but do moms really have a name? I think they're just mom.
1: Well, to Ryan, you certainly are, and he adores you. And um, what a special young man to celebrate a quarter century with him here on the radio, where he's going to be able to save this forever is important to me. I think this is really cool. I remember when I turned 25 um, and it was such an important time and I'm really proud of him. You need to know he's uh, he's an amazing teammate. Uh, He's become a friend and uh, just happy to have him around all the time uh, without a doubt. Um, I don't understand. uh, Like I said earlier, uh, how he's such a happy guy and he loves the Smiths, Um, but he is a happy guy. Tell me about this, uh, this little bouncing baby boy of yours.
0: Oh God, I don't even know where to start. Really, um, Ryan, kind of from the get-go when he was little, was just sort of always pretty easygoing and content to like his love of Lego goes back to a very young age and <laughs> to sit and and uh, entertain himself and um, just always was really happy. His his younger brother <laughs> um, would and like try to antagonize him, and Ryan would just be like, "Everything's fine. It's cool." Um, And then as he became a young adult and then an adult now, which is so strange, 25, um, he's just kind of an old soul. Uh, Always been really great at connecting with all sorts of people, old people, Mm -hmm. older people, younger people. Um, Yeah. Super proud of the person he's become. And I love listening to the show and listening to you guys interact and his, um, you know, his take on history and, news it uh, drives me crazy every time there's some reference to him buying a new pair of shoes but i guess i don't pay for his rent anymore so <laughs> that's okay <laughs> bonus
1: what's one thing about ryan that um that we don't know that you're really really proud of
0: oh that you don't know i don't like, maybe you know this maybe you don't so when ryan graduated from high school i'm sure you know this part he was very very involved in acting and drama and that was sort of what he wanted to do and i said to him Ryan, you need, to, you need to go to school. You need to do something. I don't care what it is. You just, you know, you kind of need to have a backup. And so he went away for a couple of days and he came upstairs and he said, Mom, I know what I want to do. And that was the career that he launched himself into, which has brought him over to being on the shift. And, and I'm super proud that he had the foresight to know where his strengths were, what would make him happy. And then he just made it happen. And he did so well in school um, at State. And, um, it was just like, kind of came out of him himself and became an adult. And I'm just proud that he's a kind, generous, mm-hmm. positive person.
1: Shoe addict. It's okay. You can say shoe
0: it. addict. He is a shoe addict. Drives. I still have pairs of his shoes at my house cause he does really? not have room in
1: his place. Really? Yep. Huh, new things coming to light. He's also said uh, that he's going to come and and stay with you for the first time since you moved into your new place. Mm -hmm. And he, um, yeah, I I guess that, you know, is he the typical son? Does he just show up with the dirty laundry and feed me? Or what
0: does he do? 100%. So anytime he's been to this, not the dirty laundry, because, you know, sometimes he has to, you know, transit here or whatever. But the last time he was here, he literally walked in the door, it was three o'clock in the afternoon, and I was working. And he said, "Do you have any hunger? Any food? I'm starving. I'm so hungry." And I said, "Well, Ryan, didn't you have lunch? It's three o'clock." He said, "Well, I did, but I need food, and I need food now." <laughs> so yeah, he is that typical kid. Feed me, mo- feed me, mom.
1: <laughs> feed me, mom. <laughs> feed me, mom. So it was. Uh, it was so long ago, uh, all the way back from Red Deer, and those stories about the DJ nights <laughs> and um, and all of the fantastic music that. Led to romance, and uh, and uh, <laughs> and to Ryan. So here we are. It's your fault. Um, I wanted to say to you, Michelle. Thank you very much for um, for being here today. To wish him a happy birthday, and thanks for all your hard work. I mean, I can't imagine a, a nicer guy. He's great, and he I'm really a proud of guy. him. So uh, here's your shot. It'll be archived on the internet and in the world forever. Oh God! It'll be uh, saved in his personal folder. I'm sure. Um, it's your chance to tell them how proud of him you are and wish him a happy birthday.
0: Okay, well, I might cry, but I will try not to. Um, Ryan, I'm so unbelievably proud of everything that you are, and you know that, and you've become such a um, impressive young person, especially for twenty five like what I try to think about what did I know at twenty five <laughs> um, You're kind and generous and smart, and I'm just immensely proud of you and you need to call your mother more. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being Sorry, here, Michelle. I had to get that in there.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, you did. I really appreciate you uh, you sharing your time.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah.
1: So that's uh, that's Michelle Ryan's mom. To which uh, the text message that followed was, uh, "I forgot to say, uh, I wanted to get in a dig on him about his spelling. I had no idea it was so bad until I listened to the shift." <laughs> This is The Shift Podcast. It would only seem appropriate that we meet Ryan's dad, and his name is John. Uh, John is the, uh, well, it's John's fault, really, is what it is. Uh, John is Ryan's dad. How are you? I'm fantastic,
3: Shane. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, thank you. Uh, Not to uh, rub it in, but you have a 25-year-old child, man. How does that feel?
3: I tell you, you know, I'm only 35 years old. I'm trying to do the math. I can't figure it out.
1: Can't figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
3: it feels great. It feels great. Time goes by way too fast, as we know. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: it absolutely does. And um, Ryan's a pretty special guy. And as you look back now, you get to enjoy the fact that he's an adult and not just a kid. So when you guys are able to get together... I know how incredibly special things like movies and car rides are because I know he loves that stuff with you. Absolutely. Um, tell me, can you tell me a little bit about Ryan and why he is, um, why he's so important?
3: Uh you know what? I mean, uh, what a fantastic young man, and I'm so very, very proud of of him and all his accomplishments. And you know, from the day that Ryan was three, four, five years old, he He wasn't the kid that watched cartoons. He was the kid that watched National Geographic and the History Channel. And to say that he's uh, socially adapted uh, to uh, being able to be part of many conversations, loves to learn, loves to grasp new concepts, and when we would have friends over for dinner, Ryan didn't want to hang out with the kids downstairs. He wanted to always hang up around the kitchen island and be part of the conversation. Right. So always learning, always asking questions. And, uh, and of course, as you know, Shane, totally, totally addicted to Lego.
1: Oh, my God. What did you do? Like the Lego and the sneakers? I I've said to him many times, he's like, oh, I just bought these ones. and They're great. And I'm like, how much you pay for them? And he tells me and I'm like, dear God, I need to call your father. Like parenting fail.
3: When, when uh, the, the one Christmas, he said, dad, I want, you know, I know what I want for Christmas and I know I'm high, hard to buy for. So I want a pair of these Jordans. So we go to the, we go to the, the sneaker store and, and I'm there and I said, okay, well, Brian, you know, he'd like to try on this pair. And, and I said, well, yeah, go ahead and try them on. And she says, well, no, sir, he's not allowed to try them on. And I said, excuse me. And she said, well, yeah, He knows how this culture works. And if they don't fit, he'll fill out the form for the proper fitting shoe. And I, these are five hundred dollar sneakers. And I said, You know, when I buy a Mercedes, I get to road test it. (laughs) I get to drive. (laughs) And and the the best part of the story, I'll keep it short, is that is that he wore them, I think, twice and then sold them for a thousand dollars. And I said, Do I get half the profit? Well, no, Dad.
1: (laughs) That's good. He's a capitalist. He comes across as this like super, you know, woke millennial, but he is a hardcore capitalist. He has another deal and I don't want to break his confidence, but uh, he had another deal on a pair of shoes just recently that he had a chance to get, and he's going to make a boatload of money on those shoes. And uh, so he's, he's a little bit fierce with it. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, as uh, as a proud father, I also have a little bit of disappointment in this young man and it's the fact that he's turning 25 and for all you listeners out there, feel free to text him because he still doesn't have his driver's license.
1: <laughs> he says he's going to get there. <laughs> he really does. I I even offered to take him Sorry. driving so we could get him comfortable with it.
3: Yeah. Oh, I
1: love it. I love it. No, it,
3: I can't blame him. The kid lives in a great spot. Great location. He walks everywhere. He's scooters everywhere. He says, Dad, I don't want to pay for gas and insurance. I said, yeah, I know, but get the get the driver's license. We gotta have get to, we gotta poke fun at these kids a little bit here, I tell you.
1: A little bit. There he has one bad <laughs> habit and it's his music choices. Um around the Smiths. Now help me understand what happened there and please tell me that someone just was a negative influence on him.
3: I, uh, I I I don't know. I remember coming home one day and I said, well, yeah, I, I listened to the Smiths, like, How Soon Is Now, right? Like we all did for that 1989 or whatever it was. But that kid is the biggest Morrissey fan. And <laughs> I know. Uh, we went to the Jubilee to see Morrissey. And I, it wasn't quite like a Kiss concert, but there was young kids, people middle-aged like myself and grandpas and grandmas. Yeah. But God bless him. He is definitely sold on that. But he ha- he does have great taste in music, so he will listen to, to Floyd and Zeppelin and, yeah. uh, and all well, his, this good stuff as well. So
1: His musical depth is actually, uh, even with hip-hop, We we you go for drives, and, and uh, his depth on the music is quite remarkable. And I'm surprised that he's actually such a happy guy <laughs> because he likes Morrissey so much. I mean, that, to me, blows one, my mind.
3: One would pose the question, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, not not all techno. There you go.
1: 1996. (laughs) uh, You know, you and uh, Michelle were in Red Deer and then in Calgary. Yeah. Um, Ironically, I was DJing in both of those places (laughs) at the time. And I have told Ryan that um, you guys were probably partying uh, on my dance floor uh, when Ryan was conceived. (laughs) It may have led led to a change. (laughs) <laughs> see i knew it <laughs> the small
3: world everything comes around in life i love it
1: it absolutely does uh john o'donnell thanks so much for being here um one last chance to uh, wish your uh, boy a happy a happy message for the weekend since we're here and then we'll let you go
3: a very very happy birthday ryan love you lots i'm proud of you buddy have a great show
1: ryan's dad for his birthday. I will I said last night as we uh celebrated 1996's birth year as our throwback Thursday that January if you do the math was was sort of the songs that we played, the sexy songs from January that uh, brought us Ryan by November. I was corrected and given permission to say this by the way, very clearly, John said it wasn't January Shane, it was Valentine's Day and by the way, hot tub and a bottle of champagne and here we are so there you go to gross you out ryan thanks <laughs> thank you thank you so much for, but
2: genuinely no thank you that was uh, <laughs> a, a wonderful surprise and uh, yes a cry like a baby and uh my dad said i like to learn i do do I like to learn how and when I was conceived? Not exactly, but hey,
1: knowledge is power, I guess, <laughs> eh? Hey? Well, yeah, and your brother's birthday is coming up in a couple of days too, so apparently it was a recurring trend. So nothing says good times like the day you realize your parents are humans, just like you. Yeah.
2: But seriously, I do want to take a second. I've gotten so many messages from listeners and I can't respond to all of them and I, I just thank you from the bottom of my heart and I do not like this has just been such an overwhelmingly
1: amazing time and uh, oh we're not done I love you all you can... oh, God, oh well, we're not done Brennan Kelly what? has uh, got a little something
4: oh yeah I just uh, put a little something together here why don't and uh, talk to a few uh, few of your heroes Ryan so let's, huh uh, you know, let's take a listen Now I've worked a lot of jobs, which means I have a lot of connections. So I was able to get some of Ryan's heroes together to wish him a happy shift-sized birthday.
0: I never sing happy birthday; I just makes feel a little uncomfortable. I'm a little self-conscious singing it. Yeah. Happy birthday
3: to you, you know. Happy birthday. Stupid. It is. Stupid it's song. a stupid song. Right.
0: What is this,
4: Cartman? They're invitations to my birthday party this weekend. Oh, sweet. Because it's my birthday. My b- b- birthday. Where's mine? Where's mine? Where's i come to wish you an
5: unhappy birthday.
4: Oh, all right, Morrissey, that's enough. Oh, Kanye. Yeah. yeah,
5: yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Birthday. It's your birthday. I, die, yeah,
4: me and oh. in oh. I even went to a galaxy far, far away and got everybody's lovable cuddle bunny Chewbacca to sing Ryan Happy Birthday. <laughs> day, Ryan. Don't say I never did anything for you. Ryan
1: O'Donnell, 1996, oh November 6th. <laughs> and although all of his favorite celebrities showing up um, yeah, Happy Birthday it. too.
2: That's basically me in a nutshell. You just summarized my entire personality in a two-minute masterpiece. I love you both, by the way. I don't say that enough, oh, genuinely, wow. from the bottom of my heart. Like, I do. Gotcha. I love you guys so much, and I love where I am. This is just such an amazing community. And I, at 25, I have a lot to reflect on. A lot of change has happened in my life and, uh, I can't really imagine being in a better place. And it is thanks to people like you and and you. And, um, yeah,
1: damn. (laughs) All right. This
0: is The Shift Podcast.
1: Over the last couple of weeks, confusing information has been coming out about mandatory vaccines, COVID, and all the stuff. So here is a quick summary. Ontario says vaccine mandates for healthcare workers. Don't worry about that. Quebec says, mandatory vaccinations on healthcare workers? Don't worry about that. In Alberta, my kid's school, I get a note that says, by the way, you can't even come into the school as an adult unless you're vaccinated and have proof of vaccination. For you and for me as Canadians, can it get more confusing now at this point? Because there's this one has to, this one doesn't. But by the way, if you go there, let's get some insight, shall we? Dr. Lenora Saxinger, infectious diseases expert at the University of Alberta, is here with us, Lenora. Thank you for, for popping in.
6: My pleasure. It's a good topic.
1: There's a lot going on and moving parts here. When we look at the news cycle and what's getting reported, is it a surprise to you that people are getting confused and not more clear in this?
6: It really seems to be the Canadian way, actually, because the provinces do things in kind of their own contexts. And, um, and that leads to these situations where, depending on what news show you're listening to, you don't know if it applies to you or not. And there's there's always some differences between the provinces. And sometimes they're really quite a lot more different than you'd expect, honestly.
1: Now, you are not only in the university sort of info research, see all the the data department. I'm simplifying, of course. Um, but you there's patients and people around you too. You've seen all sides of this. I want to know, are you okay? How are you handling this? Two years later, I mean, I realize it is what you signed up for. But this is a journey that nobody has expected us to be on. How are you doing?
6: I think I'm adequate. I mean, I I really perceive that everyone is so tired of this. And it's just like, um, it's been been a grind with occasional curveballs, right? So, you know, the Delta variant. Um, The unexpected strength of the anti-vaccination movement. Um, You know, I, I think that although we've had a lot of things that have gone really well, Uh, A lot of people are just so tired of it that we just wish it would all go away. And I'm definitely one of those, Mm -hmm. honestly. Me too. Um, But, you know, hanging in there, I I, I think that a lot of good things have happened. So the vaccines are really good. We're developing some, you know, access to treatments that are going to be useful for people who get infected. So those things are kind of, you know, a bit of a light on the horizon that I really appreciate.
1: How do we tell people that at this point, end of the fourth wave, I've always struggled with wave uh, because uh, to me a wave is in the ocean, right? Like it's this thing that's going to happen whether we like it or not. And I always struggled even with the terminology of a wave because our behavior had an impact on what was happening. F- I felt like it, we didn't take accountability when we call it a wave in our own behavior, right? I always even struggled with that. So how do we let people know that we're doing a pretty good job, statistically speaking, post-Thanksgiving, comparatively to every other long weekend even, it's looking pretty good right now. At least better than than it has been. I think by a fair bit. Can you help me help me with that?
6: Well, I mean, I, I guess what we're trying to figure out is what it's going to look like when most people are vaccinated, because we're getting close to that. And um, we're trying to figure out what's the boundary of what we can and cannot do. And that that place is really hard, because I think there's a whole lot of people who've been careful for a really long time. And they, they're, they're feeling nervous about getting out there and doing things again. And, you know, we still have cases, we still have hospitalizations, we still have lots of people in ICU. So there's these different forces at work. There's forces of you know, you'd like to get back to normal, but you've been not in that habit and you don't know what normal should look like. There is continued need for caution. You know, that's something that we... We we can look at the numbers that we've achieved, if that makes sense, and say, yes, indeed, it is honestly better. We do have less transmission. But as long as we have pockets of people who are unvaccinated, we will have flares. It's going to be like, um, you know, when you think that a fire is out and it just kind of flares up again. Um, it's going to be like that for a while. And that will depend on where you are exactly and what kind of networks of people you're in. If you're in a network that has a lot of unvaccinated people, there's going to be more risk for quite a long time. And then countries that have actually made bolder moves where they've said we've achieved a certain amount of vaccination coverage and really let go of restrictions, kind of like what happened in Alberta over the summer, things really opened up a lot. That still stands to bite you in the butt. And, you know, we're seeing early signs of that happening in some of the Nordic countries that opened up more where numbers are starting to go up. So I think it's this really difficult message of like Yes, we have reason for optimism. Yes, a lot of people are very, you know, effectively protected, especially against severe disease. No, we can't actually forget this happened. Yes, we have to continue to be cautious. But what does that look like? It's a really, really confusing time.
1: It is confusing. So back to the confusion about Quebec and Ontario and healthcare workers. Then we've got other people like... I've encouraged Lenora here on the shift. I've said, look, this is one, it's kind of like elections and politics, right? You have to sit down with some of your family members who may not be into vaccinations. And you need to sit down and have a good, honest, non-judgmental conversation. I always describe it as a tug of war. When there's a rope, Lenora, you can pull on the one end of the rope and I can pull on the other end and all we do is get exhausted. But instead, if we dance, we might actually find something cool. And I've encouraged Uh, our audience here on the shift to get into conversations with family members that you've never been able to get into before. If it matters to you around vaccinations, find out why find out what you can do to convince them, what information is missing. And then now we have government things in, you know, departments in, in healthcare, even where you don't even know if your healthcare worker might be vaccinated. That seems to add to the confusion to your, Uh, metaphor of the fire the forest fire in a way that we've not seen before and i feel like it's working against us what do you see
6: i think the messaging there is really hard because it, it seems to really undermine the message that really we've been trying to put out all along um i think the reasons for them backing off mandates are really pragmatic like i just think that there are issues with like can we run things in some places if we enforce this like what will that do but but you know i actually really think a principled stance is important and um you know even in alberta where we still have some pretty strong polarization in areas in alberta so AHS as an employer has has actually stuck to their guns, and I, I I think that's important. I think that what you have to do is have a plan to manage the fallout. But honestly, you know, people in healthcare, if they're still significantly vaccine hesitant, then I think that there really is not an argument to back off, but an argument to engage, as you were just saying, because I think that, you know, everyone can be susceptible to misinformation. There's some really sophisticated misinformation and disinformation out there. And, um, you know, it, and everyone's reacting from the place that they're existing in right now, having come through this really difficult process. And there's a lot of fears, there's a lot of anxieties that are still lingering for people. And some of that is getting focused on vaccines. And so, I think meeting people where they're, where they are is, is really, really hard. Like no one wants to have that contentious conversation, but it's, it's so necessary. Like at this point, everyone who was keen on vaccine, um, everyone who had some hesitations where they were able to work through the information and come past that, those people are all done now. Now we're in the, the, the heavy lifting phase where every single extra percent represents a lot more work. And the work has to be done because, you know, people are actually choosing not to do something, I think based on inaccurate information and they're putting themselves at risk and in healthcare, especially they're putting others at risk. And that's, that's just tragic, honestly.
1: Let's have the conversation right now, me and you let's pretend because my doctor, I took my kids in and um, to get, uh, a physical done and to to get ready to get vaccinated because uh, inside our family, there's been some disagreements. Now I'm vaccinated. I, I want to get my kids vaccinated. I wasn't in a hurry in the beginning. I was like, yeah, pretty quick on the kids. This is more like May, June, right? And uh, but as time goes along, I talked to my doctor, my doctor said, Look, your kids are going to be outside for the summer. Once before school comes back in. Um, statistically speaking, they're going to be okay. And then so now we've continued with that process to get them vaccinated now and and it's all happening. But my doctor said something amazing to me and um, maybe you can add to it or share something else that I was already convinced, but this is what he said. He said, the the, the point that was made to him was, you know, vaccines, we just don't know. And my doctor said, it was great because he didn't shoot it down. He's like, you're right, but we don't really know. But if we're going to look at what we know and what we don't know, we have to look at all of what we don't know. And he said, here's what we don't know. We don't know how long vaccines are going to, before they wane, right? We don't know that. We don't know how many boosters or when the boosters and all those things. We don't know that. And we don't know all of the health implications for some people with some of the surprises, like all vaccines that do come up. He said, but here's what we also don't know. And my doctor has had COVID. He said, he said, I know that I still have health implications from having COVID. I still do today. It's been about three months since he had COVID. He said, we also don't know COPD, all of the other breathing problems after having COVID that could come up. All of the health implications from risking getting COVID and what that looks like down the road for everybody with blood clots, with all of the the pulmonary things. And the way he phrased that was like, if we're going to compare don't knows we got to compare all of the don't knows. I found that incredibly reassuring as a guy who's vaccinated. I found it reassuring. Um, Is that the kind of conversation? What would you add to that? If you were in that moment, is there anything?
6: You know, I think one, I mean, I think that was a really great conversation. I've had similar conversations, but one thing that I found myself kind of thinking about more lately when I'm speaking with people um, is that a lot of people will say, well, I'm careful. Like, um, my job doesn't put me in contact with a lot of people. I still have fears about the vaccines. Um, and, and you know, I don't think I'm at high risk. And th- there's two things that strike me when people actually say, well, I'm I'm being careful. Um, because there, there's lots of people who are, you know, they're not denying that COVID exists. They just still, like, do not see a risk benefit that works for them. Um, I think that the risk piece has got to be said that, you know, the Delta variant of COVID is is clearly worse in terms of how many people get infected from one person and it's pretty much in the same level as chickenpox and people who are old enough to remember chickenpox probably remember that pretty no pretty much no one got her childhood without getting chickenpox and if you look at population based antibody studies pretty much everyone eventually got chickenpox and so the current variant of covid is capable of finding you even if you're careful and so that risk is there And what we also know is that of that risk of people who are documented to be infected, about 5% are going to end up in hospital. That's 1 in 20. And it goes up as you're older. So for adults um, who are, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, your risk is going up with every decade of life that you're going to end up in hospital from this. And in the meantime, we've like literally vaccinated billions of people. And we're not filling up our hospitals with people with vaccine problems. We're filling them up with people with COVID. Mm-hmm. So it will find you. It is still dangerous. It's more dangerous than it was. And at the moment, our knowledge about the vaccines, initially, I think people heard mRNA vaccine. They said, how could this have happened so quickly? And, and I think that those are really reasonable responses to that information. Like, I think that that was a place where a lot of people were, and I think that that's Pretty rational, honestly. But, you know, the things that people didn't know were that the, uh, the vaccines were actually piggybacking off vaccines that were already in development for a long time against similar diseases in some cases. And so they were able to pivot and just basically put in a different cartridge into the vaccine they already had. And that cartridge was the sequence of this virus. And boom, they were ready to put that into trials very quickly because we had that already. So, yay, basic science. Yeah um and at the moment I think the evidence base that we have for the vaccines is actually as strong stronger than almost anything that we do in medicine because it's been given to more people in a monitored way and you know I think um, I think that that's amazing I think that if you're willing to go to the hospital with a problem if you're willing to go to the doctor with a problem you should be aware that we actually have at least as much knowledge if not more actually more pretty much um About the vaccines that we're using for COVID right now. And we don't see vaccine side effects like long term things arising months and months after. Pretty much, if you have a vaccine problem, it arrives in the first little while, it doesn't stay in your body. And so, there's a lot of like, you know, knowledge of vaccines that also is important that we shouldn't forget about. Uh,
1: This brings up all kinds of questions, things that I get asked here on the shift that I would like to sort of bounce off you and maybe you can um, you know, answer them quickly, whatever. I would just like to add to your point there though, about uh, mRNA. I mean, you have to understand mRNA patents were taken out like 20 years ago. So it's, you know, it's been around, not on a mass scale, absolutely. But I mean, these things in custom virology, custom built, um, you know, treatments for all kinds of stuff, because you can do that. You can actually go to a place and they will take your body Flavors, see, I'm not a scientist, but they will make the they will make the these vaccines customized specifically for your body. That's been going on in the background. It's just it was happening for you, and it was expensive, not for everybody. Worth including. Um, And I've always sort of said this: people will say, "Oh, myocarditis if the vaccine." Yeah, but you're statistically more likely to get myocarditis from COVID than you are from the vaccine. So if you don't get vaccinated, you're actually choosing if myocarditis is your. Is your you know your your punch card of of no, you're statistically choosing the riskier of the ways. Except one gets monitored by your doctor and one doesn't. Um, that's amazing. One of the biggest questions, uh, Doctor Le- Lenora Saxinger, is that contagiousness. I still see contagiousness being vaccinated and unvaccinated being a conversation. If you Google it, because like you said, anti-vax was uh, um uh. This is not a COVID thing. Anti-vax was organized before COVID. This just added fuel to the fire of their cause. That contagiousness being vaccinated and unvaccinated, if you Google it, you're going to get a million different answers.
6: Yeah, so what do the that's doctors a weird talk about? Thing. Isn't it? Well, I mean, here here I just participated in a review on this actually, but it's um and it was, you know, highly technical. But uh, I, I think that you have to start by realizing that if you don't get infected, you're not going to be contagious. So right away, boom, you're protected against infection. Your odds of infecting someone else is like 90% lower right off, right out of the starting line. Yeah. So you've already decreased your risk because you decrease the risk you're actually gonna get infected. Now, in those people who have breakthrough infections, they do tend to be, you can never say anything with absolute when you're talking about a whole population of individuals, but you do tend to have less symptoms for a shorter time. Um, There's a bit of variable data on the viral load, but it looks like at least in the studies that we have available that you don't carry as much virus for as long. So if you do have a breakthrough infection, you're less likely to spread it. And there's some data actually where they've done household studies where, you know, they say of those small number of people who actually get infected after vaccination, did they spread it to their household members? Lower risk. And that's even like, that's just looking at basically postal codes, people living together in their tests. They're not even looking to see if there's any other risk factors at play. They're just saying that if we assume everyone in the household got infected by the first person infected in the household, is there... A reduced risk. Yes, there's a reduced risk. So every way we can measure it, although we we can't say that there's no risk of getting infected and there's not no risk of transmitting, you're actually putting in layers of protection with with each step. So you're less likely to be infected, you're less likely to carry a lot of virus, you're less likely to spread virus to others. And so you know the 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 weird way some of that data had been taken into headlines was was really strange. I mean, I think that eventually we will have vaccines that prevent you from actually developing that early infection. Um, and so that people wouldn't worry about carrying virus as much after having had vaccine. But these vaccines are better at preventing illness. They're better at preventing hospitalization. They're a little bit leaky in terms of potentially having a bit of virus around, but a little bit is much, much less than just getting infection in the wild. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of think things, it, it's complicated enough to explain that you can't make it into an easy headline, unfortunately, but um, but you are not highly likely to spread infection to anyone after being vaccinated. You're much less likely to contribute to infection in other people. Um, and it's uh, And it's really something that I think is incredibly important now, because what we're seeing is when we do see breakthrough infections that are severe, They're in the transplant patients. They're in the very elderly patients. These people have been vaccinated, but their bodies cannot make a full response to the vaccine. And they're getting infected because there's still transmission. And if we could actually vaccinate everyone, um, we would be bringing transmission down a lot, and it would protect everyone that much more.
1: I sort of described it as eggs in a basket. Do you want people walking around with one or two eggs in the basket? Or do you want people walking around with a full basket full of eggs, spilling eggs all over the place, eggs being, you know, the the viruses, right? So what's your choice? I mean, no, you don't have an empty basket, of course, but
6: Well, you also have the option of not picking up the basket. Well, and isn't it funny that you said that? That's
1: such that's such an old, I mean, wash your hands. We're disgusting, aren't we? Like just wash your hands. Um, but the the old story of, you know, what Oh, do you party? Do you do drugs? Wow, well, I'm afraid i become a cocaine addict. Do you want to know the number one way to not become a cocaine addict? Don't try it. <laughs> right? Like, come on, humans. I mean, arrows in the grocery store was telling enough, wasn't wasn't it? That we needed to apply our brains here and maybe do a little bit of reading. Um, it, it's it's mind blowing. If you could take one thing, um, Lenora, and 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 apply it to what we can all do today. To have the next big impact like you said the heavy lifting is here the last few percentages are going to be the hardest how do we do that
6: i mean societally i think that creating an expectation creating the norm of vaccination is is really where we have to be and um and you know being transparent and meeting people with information and supporting people and not uh, vilifying them and not pushing them farther away Um, but creating a space where it is what you do and it's part of your duty as a human being. And it also, by the way, benefits you. Like it seems like it should be a win, 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 but the misinformation is really, really a problem. And so, you know, what you talked about before about engaging with the misinformation, not just, you know, posting funny memes about, you know, Halloween, uh, Halloween decorations with the, the tombstones. I did my own research, that kind of thing like that, that actually is kind of, satisfying for people who are frustrated, but it actually pushes people away because there are people who really probably will, um, benefit from that engagement and that conversation. And so, like I said, trying to have that open first step is really important.
1: Now you're an infectious diseases expert. If we could rewind in time when you're doing, choosing your courses back when you were going to school, uh, do you still love it? Or maybe sports surgeon might've come up.
6: if you could fast
1: forward through all this
6: you know what it's been kind of interesting because watching something like this unfold across the globe with the background that I have I also was interested in dystopian literature in undergrad so that also seems very relevant Mm -hmm. was I mean it was very consuming it was it was extremely I mean like what can you say except for interesting and terrible um and I, I still find it interesting. I still think that there's uh, it's like playing chess and there's a move on the pandemic side, there's a move on our side. And I think that um, there is an attraction to that. As a matter of fact, I think when the pandemic news really truly recedes, there's going to be a lot of people who feel a gap. So I'm, I feel like we're going to have to step in with some other interesting sciencey stuff for everyone who's been learning about epidemiology, because because it, it is the history of the world, really. and um, And it's fascinating. And I I probably would not make a different choice necessarily in terms of what I chose to be interested in. I would definitely not choose to have a pandemic.
1: Yeah. Well, if we could all choose to not have another one, I think that's probably a good choice. What a crossroads though, with a background in dystopian literature too, though to sit back and uh, kind of watch this um, maybe sociology or something and go, Whoa, uh, this is amazing how it's unfolded. It's exposed humanity to a level that we all were suspicious of, but didn't have the experience of. And if we can't take that away and look at this and go, yeah, I'm simply going to try to be less of a dick. (laughs) Right. The next
6: frontier is communication and social media. Yeah. You know, that's the next frontier of learning from the pandemic.
1: Although there is a career opportunity. If you want to go into, um, communications between governments, between government organizations, and communicating with the public. Um, Continuity would be a big word, I would say, and helpful here in this. Um, Dr. Laura Saxinger, thank you very much. Infectious Diseases Expert, University of Alberta. Appreciate the insight and the time.
6: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: This is The Shift Podcast. Time to have some fun. Time to have some movie fun. Steve Stebbing, what the hell should we watch this weekend? SteveStebbing.ca is the website. Uh, he's handsome as ever. Beard's getting long. Aw. Aw. Huh? <laughs> ah, I don't even, even suck up to you. I'm just being nice. Uh, I appreciate it, man. Well, all the shift heads, are there, you know, they're sharing their heart with the campfire story. So who would they uh, want to hang out with? Do you want to toss one out here before? Just give us one, and we'll try to get to another one before we're done.
5: Uh I I mean I already gave it off air and I'll just kind of re say it and it's all dead guys. I would say uh Stanley Kubrick, Heath Ledger and Sam Peckinpah.
1: That was on the radio when Heath Ledger died. I remember that. Boy, what a day that was. Ugh,
5: it hurt. It yeah.
1: Hurt. That was because of the nature of the People. dark character and everything that came with mm-hmm. it, aside from his talent, right? Um, a young daughter mm-hmm. and all the things. So, Okay, uh, what the hell should we watch this weekend? Fantastic movies. There's an awful lot to go through. There's a couple I'm super excited about. That's for sure. Steve Stebbing is our expert. Don't forget, the AV Club is coming up. Let's get started with Eternals.
4: We came here 7,000 years ago to protect humans from the deviants.
5: Why didn't you guys help fight Thanos or any war or all the other terrible things throughout history?
4: We were instructed not to interfere in any human conflicts unless deviants are involved.
3: By who?
1: All right. More superheroes.
5: Yeah. And I mean, this is probably the Marvel cinematic universe movie that's getting probably the most hate of all the films in over a a decade of, of work now. Um, I'm not siding with the hate. I actually enjoyed this film for the most part. Um, Probably the the second half of the movie a lot more than the first half. But I mean, it's ambitious because it's like introducing not just one character in an origin story or doing a prequel story, but it's, you know, emerging a whole new group like a new Avengers or a new X-Men. But these guys happen to have been around for thousands of years and have kind of been in the background of the shaping of humanity and everything, uh, which is kind of an interesting story in itself. And it's got a a great and diverse cast to it. Uh, Academy Award winning director uh, Chloe Zhao wrote and directed this film as well. Uh, which is definitely different for her from her a, a director that's so grounded in realism i mean you just need to look at uh, nomad land to feel that um but it's interesting to see what that kind of a director does with like kind of a very cosmic story and i it's an oddball movie on her her list of films but i i enjoy it i mean it has its flaws it's bloated it's two and a half over two and a half hours long and it definitely could have been Ryan, trimmed it. down I feel that it could have been trimmed down, but I still enjoyed it largely. And the the stingers at the end, I really liked.
1: I will admit that I watched Black Widow on my flight from Ottawa to Calgary this weekend, and I loved it. It was great. Thoroughly enjoyed it.
5: That set, that set piece in the third act is really great. It's really fun.
1: Everything was great. I think the character development in it was really great. And I think that's where they're starting to get some of the relationship stuff. Like the yeah. depth to the relationships, much more than some of the earlier superhero things, which I tuned out of. Mm-hmm. If you hadn't read the comic books and you didn't know all the history and all the inside jokes, you didn't get the movie. But the way they're writing them now, you're, they're giving an awful lot of character depth.
5: I, I think casting also has a really, it's a really strong point in the Marvel universe as well, and and Black Widow has great casting to it.
1: Apparently, Tom Hanks has a fantastic relationship with the folks at Apple because I saw this trailer for the first time. It looks amazing, as does all things Tom Hanks. Um, Finch! It all happened so fast. There was a solar flare. Goodbye crops and food, goodbye everything. So I did frightened.
6: And so will
1: And I found you. Okay, so I'm worried it's a uh, castaway part 2 reup, re-up. Um, and do we get a volleyball? That's really the question.
5: Mm, unless, uh, you know, a sentient robot is a volleyball, then sure. Um, but this is uh, basically a post-apocalyptic movie uh, with Tom Hanks trying to find uh, a forever home in the middle of a hellish landscape and builds a robot to kind of be part of that family and help take care of that family as well. And so he's teaching this robot along the way, what it, what it means to be human and, and, and what it means to, 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 you know, help provide and everything. And it kind of acts like a post-apocalyptic version of short circuit. And I really had a deep love for this movie i mean every moment on the screen is absolutely gorgeous and the the robot who does eventually name himself jeff in this movie which i just thought is just so brilliant um it's just so endearing and uh i love this movie honestly I, I feel like this week is a very good week for movies and finch is a, a big reason for it
1: if there's a scene where tom hanks goes jeff I'm out. I don't want to oh, take away from Castaway, but it looks good though.
5: It is good. <laughs> it's really yeah. good. I can't promise All that right. there's not a scene where he calls for the robot with that oh, name. but man. I mean, what else are you gonna say? Robot guy. I don't I don't you know, I don't <laughs> know. It doesn't have the same ring. He's already named himself Jeff. If you don't call him by his name, that's just rude.
1: I suppose that's probably true. Respect the uh, proper nouns. Uh, next on the list was Steve Stebbing, Spencer.
2: Mommy, what happened to make you so sad?
0: Well, here, Miss this house, there is no future. Past and the present are the same thing. Diana,
5: they
4: can't change. have
3: to be able to do things you hate. You hate. There has to be two of you. It's the real one. <laughs> and the one they take
1: pictures of. Uh, come on now. Anything to do with uh, Diana is amazing, isn't it?
5: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And not only that, we have Kristen Stewart playing Diana in this one. Princess Diana. And got in for an Oscar uh, as this movie is getting some of the best mo- uh, reviews of the year. Um, and, uh, really it's around Stewart's performance as Diana, which is very, um, nuance driven. Uh, and it also, uh, also a lot of clout around, uh, director, uh, Pablo R- Lorraine, uh, who isn't new to the, uh, biopic cause he did, uh, the Jackie Kennedy movie, Jackie with, uh, Natalie Portman that also got her an Academy Award nomination. So. The guy's on the roll. Let's see if he wins it this year.
1: All right, Steve Stepping, what the hell should we watch this weekend? Some new movies, some streaming movies, and always on the list, the Blu-ray fancy. Here's Nine Days. If you are selected, you will have the chance to be born in a fruitful environment where you can grow, develop, and accomplish. Am I dead? I wouldn't say you're alive or dead.
4: Are you the boss? I would say a cog in the wheel.
1: <laughs> How long is this process? If you make it until the end.
5: Nine days.
1: Uh, sounds like it goes in many different directions of what uh, what your brain could take it.
5: Yeah, this is uh I mean it it off it operates on an almost pur- purgatorial like existential plane because it basically has Winston Duke's character as the arbiter of uh, of who gets to be reborn on earth as a new soul and he's got to choose between like kind of a panel of people through a series of interviews. And I, I mean, it, it, it ranges from emotional to chaotic to just like, um, just really interesting scenes of uh, just kind of life philosophy, dialogue and stuff. And uh, I mean, this one's going to really appeal to uh art film uh, art film lovers and stuff like that. But this writer director that made this, uh, Edson Oda, uh, such an interesting uh, approach to making films. So this is only his debut. Uh, this is second film. So. I'm excited to see where it goes next.
1: Steve, we're only going to have time here for one. We've got Pig and Big Mouth. Take your pick. Pig. Let's hit it. Pig. What are you thinking? I remember every meal I ever cooked. I remember every person I ever served. You live your life for them, and they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. Not to be overly predictable, but kind of knew you were going to pick that one because of
5: Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage, who, if there's any justice in this film world, in this cinematic world, Nicolas Cage will win an Academy Award for this, his second Academy Award for this movie, because Pig is such an incredible, uh, just in, in, a masterpiece of a film. Uh, and Nicolas Cage is the biggest reason his performance in this film is just absolutely incredible he plays uh, a former chef whose uh, truffle hunting pig is murdered by a rival which kind of sets him off on like almost like a a a journey of uh, vengeance through the streets of Portland and I I mean there is such a magic to his performance in this movie and I know that there always seems to be a joke when it comes to Nicolas Cage, but uh, Pig will stop you in your tracks.
1: Coming up next week here on The Shift, we will have Steve Stebbing. We will have our Shift AV Club with Remembrance Day on Thursday. We will not be here. We will have all of this on Wednesday, same time, same place, one last day. Steve will be here with his normal reviews for the weekend, and we will talk about a movie. Now, before Ryan gets into the list of movies, I just wanted to say we wanted to keep this list of movies uh, in integrity to what Remembrance Day stands for in that um, you know, fictional characters about non-fictional situations and storylines. That's what we tried to do. And we're trying to be respectful of Remembrance Day by doing this. Um, and uh, some movies about that. Ryan O'Donnell. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. This is an opportunity to remember, uh, to maybe learn, and to reflect on this, the stories of soldiers, which was kind of the theme I was hoping to achieve with some of the movies on the AV Club. So... As a reminder, if you've never been a part of the AV Club before, if this is your first time or you need a refresher, this is the part time of the week where the tiny wheel is spun and lands on a movie. And we watch that movie, we give ourselves a week, we come back, and we review it all together. Last week was Halloween spooky movies, and now it's time for more serious with Remembrance Day. So the tiny wheel has been loaded up with some... Uh, World War Two and other more modern conflicts, uh, films. Uh, so let me tell you what could be our film of the week for next week mm-hmm. for Remembrance Day. We're starting with Passchendaele, a movie about uh, the Canadians in World War One. Saving sure. Private Ryan, Black Hawk Down, Schindler's mm-hmm. List, Fury, Das Boot. I don't think you'll want to watch that one, Shane. It's three and a half hours long.
1: I have I have seen <laughs> that one, yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, Hacksaw Ridge, Good Morning Vietnam, The Forgotten Battle, a new one on uh, Netflix uh, about Canadians as well, mm-hmm. Dunkirk, Full Metal Jacket, as well as Letters from Iwo Jima. Wow, lots that's of a pretty powerful movies. list, isn't it? Exactly, lots Can't of amazing wrong movies there. on there. No, you cannot, that's the thing. Whatever mo- Whatever the tiny wheel lands on, there will be a fantastic film to watch. So without further ado, let us bring out... The Tiny Wheel.
1: Tiny Wheel! Tiny Wheel! Tiny Wheel! Tiny Wheel! Tiny Wheel! Tiny wheel.
6: Tiny wheel actually does have movies. It's so cute. No one seems to mind.
2: It's the best. All right. Brandon, please do the honors, my friend. Spin the Tiny Wheel. <laughs> this is so funny. <laughs> oh! da <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ta-da! Uh, a classic an absolute classic uh, a movie I will be more than happy to watch again probably many consider the greatest war film of all time the winner is Saving Private Ryan let's get the trailer
3: Colonel I've got something you should know about yes these two men died in Normandy. this one in Omaha Beach Sean Ryan this one in Utah Peter Ryan this man was killed last week in New Guinea Daniel Ryan the three men are brothers, sir. I've just learned that this afternoon their mother is getting all three telegrams. That's not all. There's a fourth brother,
1: the youngest. He's somewhere in Normandy. We don't know where. That boy is alive. We're going to send somebody to find him. And we're going to get him the hell out of there.
2: And there you go. That's basically the plot of Saving Private Ryan. Steven Spielberg's World War II epic starring Tom Hanks, 1998. This is a very impactful movie. It is available to stream on Netflix, so very accessible uh, and a very powerful film. Very graphic, very real, and that's why it's, uh, you know, stood the test of time.
1: Steve Stebbing, 15 seconds on Saving Private Ryan.
5: Well, it's got Vin Diesel, baby. <laughs> uh, um, you no, know, it's a great movie. And he's good. Um, yeah i know he, he's quite good in it um at giovanni Rabisi. uh i mean the supporting cast right because we keep talking you know tom hanks matt damon whatever but like the supporting cast is really freaking good in this one um and um i'm glad that i can watch it on my 4k special edition that i just got um about Ooh. a year and a half ago or the commemorative edition that came out a few years ago so yeah i'm excited about it